This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm one of your hosts, Jackie, and I'm joined today by my good friend and co-host, Rahul. I have to start a little bit more positive and maybe let you have a chance to give us a little bit of banter. How was your weekend, Rahul? And let's not talk about Chelsea. How are other things in your life? Everything else is great. <laughs> you you cut it so short like everything's great i'm fine i'm happy but chelsea is not that great is it <laughs> it's i mean that's what we're here for right it's to, to talk about chelsea but no everything is going well the weather is getting better better you know it's easter weekend and um not that i had friday off but either way uh everything is going well apart from the chelsea factor and it's it's not even surprising anymore. It's not even something that f- makes me angry, frustrates me. It's just I've just come to expect it at this point because that's what's happened this season. Is we've lost, we've dropped points more than anything else. Isn't it funny? I think we said this going back two years ago, Rahul, when Frank Lampard was fired, and we were like, it's shocking, it's irritating. I thought he was going to be the man to get the project. And then Thomas Tuchel comes and we were all excited. And I think I remember very clearly we came on here when Thomas Tuchel was fired. And I said, we've become numb to the situation. And I think fast forward another 18 months and what's changed, right? It goes on, on repeat where we just say, yeah, we're numb. We're not surprised. Of course, this time I'm talking about the result, but maybe we want to dissect it and dive into it i don't know i don't know if we're even ready for that do we do we have to i mean look we're gonna say the same things it wasn't good enough wolves were better they deserved to get the goal we lost to a wonder strike but in this case we didn't even create that much i know we had 13 shots on goal but like we didn't even i can't even remember a single time we we worked jose sa or we created an opportunity where i was like oh my god we really should have scored We've almost gone backwards, and it couldn't get even worse than what it was. But we've gone backwards because at least a week or so ago, we were creating opportunities. We just weren't finishing them. In this case, we didn't even create anything. It was just we showed up, went through the motions, and took the L and went back home. And I think that's what's funny about this whole situation, right? I said this, not the last episode, but maybe the, the episode before I said... Nothing against Frank, but what's the point of firing Graham Potter, right? Whoever's going to come in is going to want to change things. It's going to want to reset. And if it's not going to be the permanent manager, what's the point? Why not just go on till the summertime and then figure it out from there? And okay, yeah, you can think about Madrid, which we'll talk about later in the segment. But if what we saw against Wolves is what we're going to see against Madrid, I'm very, very worried. So no, let's let's talk about Wolves for a few minutes and kind of go from there. Do you want me to go through maybe the starting lineup and dissect that for a couple of minutes? Sure. <laughs> so I think when you look at it this way, I think we all knew a manager needed to make a change because whatever was going on was not working. And so Frank Lampard goes with a 4-3-3, which is not unfamiliar to what he was using when he was first Chelsea manager. I think it was a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 hybrid. So Kukureya at left back, which is very interesting. And I think I want you to talk about that in a few minutes here. Kulabali and Fofana pair the centre-back pairing. 
Reese James at right back. I forgot to say, Kepa is in goal as well. <laughs> I know you had you had heavily wanted Mendy to come in there, but he sticks with Kepa. A midfield three of Kovacic, Fernandez, and Gallagher. So another interesting name that he's able to pull out there. And I'm sure he's looking for change. And a front three of Zhao Felix, Raheem Sterling. And I'm only laughing because it's still Kai Havertz leading the line, which is which is crazy to me. But I'll pause you and let you give your thoughts on that starting eleven. So surprising to see Kepa in there. I did think Mendy would come back. And in fact, when we spoke last week or in the build-up to the Wolves game, we had said Mendy was back in training, but he was actually on the bench against Liverpool, which I, I completely missed. So I do apologize for that. Um, so I did expect Mendy to come back in because he is Lampard's guy. He did bring him in. Uh, and it's interesting because even though Lampard left, Mendy was one of the main mm. reasons we went on to win uh, the Champions League and a couple more trophies the following season. So I thought Lampard would bring him in, but he did say in his uh, pre-game uh, press conference, it's a clean slate. Everyone gets yeah. a chance. Everyone is going to get a, an opportunity. Um, and maybe it's just too soon for Mendy. I don't know. Uh, but the sooner we see Mendy, the better, because I, I'm just tired of Kepa, man. It's <laughs> I, And I know you'll be like, we can't blame him for the goal. It was a wonderful strike, but... I don't know. Which is man. all true. It is Which all true. Is, but... it, it is true, but I don't know. I'm not I'm not advocating that Mendy saves that. But at this point, I'm just picking at straws, right? Because I'm like, of course, I just need of to course. see a change somewhere. Because like you said, Kai Havertz isn't going anywhere. Um, but okay, we, we switched to a back four. And you can, you can say that's Frank's way. That's what Frank does. It's a 4-3-3. That's how he likes to play. But let me say this. If this was anyone else but Frank Lampard, the Chelsea legend that had come in and gone to a back four, immediately we would be like, why? Why are you switching to a back four? We've been playing in a back three. We've been doing okay. Even Graham Potter saw the light at the end and and switched to a back three. So (laughs) why switch to a back four? And I think that's a justified question based on how this game went because Yes, we only conceded one, but Jackie, honestly, they could have scored more. They could have gotten two, three, and that would have that would have been a fair result because they created more, they played more aggressive, they got in behind us. Um, and so why switch to a back four? And I want to hear your thoughts because we've seen, and I know we have to get away from this back, back three eventually, but the way things are set up right now, Reese James, Ben Chilwell, Kukurea, Loftus-Cheek, whoever ends up playing those wing-back positions ends up doing something or at least providing a little more solidity at the back. So why switch to a four? I'm not sure you're going to like my answer, but I think it's fair for me to have my say, right? The question you're asking is a question a lot of Chelsea fans ask, Rahul, and you made a very valid point in that it's Frank Lampard. Any other manager comes in and goes to back four, oh, he's an idiot, he's a moron. Where did this guy come from and come up with these ideas? But I'll give you the answer. When we were coming through with Frank Lampard and he played a back four, who came through at right back position? Reese James. Nobody questioned him. And he was brilliant, bombing up and down the wing, scoring a fantastic goal against Ajax when we were playing with a back four. Okay, fast forward, second season. Who comes in and play in the back four as a left back? Ben Chilwell, bombing up and down. I think he probably made his name as one of the best left backs. And then, of course, Tuchel took it that step further and said, no, they're my wing backs and they're the best wing backs in Europe. Fine. It is what it is. That, not a problem. But that's the history behind why I think he went to a back four because 
in theory, they have been successful with that. And some of these players were there and some of these are not. So I get that. But then I look at it this way and I think this is the funniest piece of it all, right? Chelsea fans make me giggle sometimes because it's like, make a change, do something different. We want something different. And Frank comes in and does something different. And everybody goes, he's a moron. He's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. And listen, I'm being a little cynical, right? I understand that the back three has worked better and Graham Potter found a formula that was not as bad as what we were used to seeing. It was still not great, but we seem to fit to it naturally. And obviously Thomas Tuchel had drilled it into this squad for the better part of 18 months where we are a back three side. So it comes natural. But ultimately, Rahul, I think if we won this game, even if we drew this game, let me say that honestly, even if we drew this game, this would not be a conversation point because we are looking for change. We're trying to find something and Frank's trying to find something and you've got to tell me now, between all the managers that are coming in, wh- what do they do? They have to find a solution. So he's just picking at, at something he can figure out and try to fit some square pegs into round holes. And I'm not saying these players can't fit in there. Something is seriously wrong from a confidence level. And I think Frank was very honest about that when he came out later on. And from a desire level, like how many of these guys really care? And I think I said this importantly, maybe over text or something. There's nothing to play for in the Premier League. So... Their hearts are not in it. They feel like they're not getting relegated, although you may say something otherwise. So maybe we're turning our attention and focus to the Champions League. But again, I repeat, if this is how we play against Wolves and we take it to Madrid, I'm very worried for the result. I I, I hear you, right? And I, I understand, okay, something had to change. But given that we had just played on Tuesday night, if I'm not hmm. wrong, or Wednesday night, I don't remember exactly which one it was, in a back three and got a clean sheet against Liverpool, albeit Liverpool weren't at their best. And we still, I think, restricted them. We kept them to to uh, uh, an arm's distance in terms of any goal-scoring opportunities. I just felt like this would have been an opportunity to kind of build on that. I mean, you get a point against Liverpool. Yes, both teams were having a bad are having a bad season. Um, but then you go away to Wolves and let's say you get a point there. It's just a different feeling than, well, here we go again. We have another loss and we sit in 11th. And I, it just wasn't the right opening for Frank Lampard return. And I'm not saying like this is a Robbie DiMatteo or Gus hitting kind of moment. Right. But and, and, and I think we called it. It was a PR stunt. You and I felt yeah. good going into the weekend, which we haven't felt for a while. Uh, but very early into that game, I think we were like, well... It ends here because this, yeah. this not much is changing, right? But but let's continue to go up through that lineup. So Fofana and Koulibaly, I think, are expected. Kukurea, Jackie. I get that we rested Ben Chilwell. He wanted to kind of save him for Madrid. But I don't know, man. Kukurea, I'll just let you speak on him. Listen, I have nothing against the lad. And I think that there is a football player in there, right? And I think... You don't become rubbish overnight. I think we've all heard of his personal struggles off the pitch, and I don't know the detail behind that. And I know, similar to Graham Potter, there's a huge shift in going from a a Brighton to a Chelsea. And yeah, you you can say at this core, we're just kids kicking a ball, but it's not that, right? You're talking about expectations. You're talking about pressure. You're talking about 63 million. And... As much as you and I sit here and go, yeah, he's a 63 million pound player, he was he was a nobody till last season. And I mean that with the highest level of respect. How many of us knew Marco Correa's name last season until 
He started putting on performances for Brighton and became their player of the season, right? All of this weighs in on you, and I'm not defending the lad because he's been very poor. There's no other way to say that. I'm trying to find some reason as to why he's been so poor, but the question you asked me is why is he in the starting lineup? Over the last three, four, five games, maybe Enzo Fernandez has been our best player, but other than that, Ben Chilwell might have been our best player, and that's a fact. He was single-handedly trying to score goals, carry the team on his back, and that's ultimately where Potter put him in centre-back. I'm like, this man's lost his mind. Something's wrong. But Ben Chilwell was fantastic. So I understand that you're resting him for the Champions League and he's going to have a big part to play and probably help us there. But I look at this performance and it, it comes full circle, right? We may not beat Real Madrid with the way we're playing right now. And the chances are most likely we may not beat Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. Fine, we're going to put everything in, in there and all our eggs in one basket. But I'd rather try and get a few points to kind of climb the table than lose to Real Madrid and finish 13th in the league. There's some level of dignity. And as Chelsea fans that pull on this blue shirt every week, and yeah, there's a gold shirt, sure. But show some fight, show some spirit. And with Kukurea, while I feel like he's trying, it's just not... It's the Graham Potter thing. I feel like they're trying. It's just not working week in, week out. I don't mean this to be rude, but just sit on the bench till you find some game time where... Chilwell starts. We've got the job done. You can come on for 15, 20 minutes and give him a break at that point. And you work your way back into form or work your way back into this team and figure it out. And I've heard lots of things online of like, oh, these players need time to figure each other out. I'm like, How much more time do you need? You need a preseason. That's what Graham Potts used to say. Fine, you get a preseason in the summer. Then wait till preseason because it's not working right now. You're, you're absolutely right. And and. I think we've said enough on Kukurea, not just today, but in the past. It it hasn't worked. 63, 65 million, whatever we paid for him, seems like we were <laughs> we were robbed. Uh, and, and Brighton got a, a good deal out of it. But clearly, there's a player in there. Mm-hmm. You asked the question, how many of us, how many of you knew him? I knew him from FIFA just because there I was go. trying to pick up a younger player. Uh, but I do think there's a player in there, and it the summer can't come soon enough for us. I think I just going away, getting our heads cleared as players, getting our heads cleared as a club, finding whoever that is to get us forward in, in terms of a manager, selling players, a lot has to happen this summer. It's not going to be, oh, we ended the season. Next season, we're going to be winning the title. It might happen, but I don't think it will just because of how much turmoil and change is just going on behind the scenes. But Coming back to this game, Jackie. So midfield of Kovacic, Fernandez, Gallagher. Engolo Kante rested again, I guess. So that's that's okay because we do obviously want him fully fit and he is coming back from a long layoff. What did you make of that midfield? I, I have some strong opinions, but I'll let you go first with, with an Enzo Kova and Gallagher midfield. So listen, individually, I think they're all good players. And I think... If you're a Chelsea fan and you have your thoughts about Gallagher, I respect them. I know he's not the finished article, and you and I have discussed him many times, Rahul. He's, he's similar to N'Golo Kante in one thing and one thing only. He has an on switch and he has an off switch. If he's off, he's not playing. If he's on, he's giving 120%, and sometimes it doesn't look attractive because he runs into people or he has a silly foul in him, and I think he's just trying to impress, right? So individually, I think they're all good, and I think they work. I think as a partnership, you try to find a balance, right? And I'm almost wondering, Enzo is your creative kind of playmaker. Maybe that's the easiest word. Kovacic is your runner, I think is an easy way to say that. He knows how to kind of carry the ball forward. 
So in that three, I'm looking for a defensive midfielder. Conor Gallagher is not a defensive midfielder. In fact, Palace never used him that deep in midfield. They used him much higher as an attacking midfielder. So I think I opened with square peg, round hole, and we're trying to fit these guys in. Maybe Dennis Zakaria is not fit, but Dennis Zakaria might have been a good complement to hold and play a V-shape in the in the three and kind of hold that back. So nothing against these guys. I just think we're trying in real time to solve problems and it looks worse than it actually is because obviously it will come to the goal. It's a wonder goal, but nothing really happens. You just got guys running up and down on running up and down, not stringing passes together. And you just go, Oh, it's Gallagher's fault. Or Kovacic is garbage. And Enzo's a hundred million. He couldn't do anything, but ultimately it's trying to find the right mix of players. And maybe that mix means Gallagher sits on the bench and then he swaps off with Enzo because they're similar. I'm not saying they are, but it's an example of trying to find the right balance and, that wasn't it on the weekend. It it certainly wasn't. And I think you described Gallagher well, which is 100% all the time. And I think I said this back at the beginning of the season when he picked up a red card. It has to be fine-tuned. It can't be 100% all the time. Right. Because even N'Golo Kante picks and chooses when he pushes on to 100. It might be at 90 most of the time. And then he'll sniff an opportunity or he'll sniff something and he'll be like, this is where I, I excel and I'm going to go to 100 and drop it back down. Gallagher just looks like a bull in a china shop. Just going wild, wrecking havoc and, and taking people out and, and doesn't doesn't care about the consequences. And it's not a good look. It's not a good look because... We want him to succeed as an academy boy. We want him to succeed as a Chelsea boy. But when you come out and put on a, on a display like this in a new manager's first game, when he's trusted you with that opportunity and you do that, you're suddenly kicking that opportunity away and saying, there's only one way I know how to play and I, I can't do anything else. And you're kind of becoming one-dimensional in the sense that it's all or nothing. And in in a case in this game where Wolves were very aggress- aggressive mm-hmm. and came out and, and basically came out to to play and, and knock us off of our, our game, Gallagher kind of fed into that because yeah. they would be aggressive, move the ball around, and Gallagher would go 100%, and the ball's now in behind him, and he's got to backtrack and, and make something happen maybe foul, maybe pull someone back. And, and that creates more panic, right? Because now you're picking up a yellow. The next time you might pick up a red. And I get why we went with the 4-3-3, because when you look at the front three, Kai obviously was central, but the other two were extremely wide. Yeah. They stayed right on the wings, which I did find refreshing. But then when you have a Gallagher running through or a Kovacic running through or even an Enzo, these guys aren't goal scorers. These aren't Frank Lampard-esque where... They're going to come in late and distract or, or do something and score a goal. So it almost felt like, yes, they were staying wide and we were trying to pull it wide. But as soon as we lost the ball, which we did every single time it went up, Wolves just knew exactly how to get in behind our midfield and get in, in front of our front two or four, whatever you want to call it. And it just it just seemed chaotic. It just didn't seem... Like this was a team, like you said, that's been playing in a season. I know this season has been chaotic, but in a season where we've tried everything, it just seems like nothing seems to be working. So 
we can go to the front three. I think we've spoken about Kai at extreme lengths. We've spoken about Joe Felix at extreme lengths this season. We've spoken about Raheem Sterling, who's kind of working his way back in. Uh, but we do ultimately concede a goal, and it comes from a wonder strike. I mean, I think in a season where everything's going wrong, this is just one other thing that went wrong, that that guy strikes it so sweetly that it just has to go into the back of the net. And I'm waiting, Jackie. I'm waiting for a moment when that happens for us instead of against us because I will lose it if if someone scores a goal like that in a blue shirt. <laughs> um, but we do go on and lose the game. I don't think at any point after conceding that goal, we looked like we were going to come back into it, even if Aubameyang comes on, Pulisic comes on, Mudrik comes on. Uh, and I'm trying to think of some of the other subs off my top of my head. Joel comes on. It just didn't look like it was going to happen for us. And ultimately, we do lose the game 1-0. And I think we've kind of been critical of, of Frank, but Jackie, when do the players take the blame? I mean, you're now going through your fourth manager of the season. I think the players need to look at themselves and, and take some blame and ask some serious questions. Listen, I want to answer that question, but I want to come back really quickly to the to 11, and I think it, it will tie in together. First, Matthias Nunez, Rahul, 31 appearances for Wolves. How many goals has he scored? Let one. me guess. <laughs> <laughs> Against Chelsea. So that that's one of the little jokes I wanted to make. But when do the t- players take blame, right? Yao Felix, Rahul, we're talking about signing him for $100 million, right? He's fancy. He's dribbling. He's, dare I say, sexy on the ball. Chelsea fans may get upset with me, but who cares? Who freaking cares that you can dribble and dance and all that? There has to be end product. And I'm going to get a lot of hate and slack about this one saying, oh, but if he had this guy and he had this guy, and he did, take some take some ownership, take a shot. I could see opportunities after opportunities after opportunities. And it wasn't just this game, Rahul. There are games where like Xiao passes it to Kai, Kai passes it backwards, Enzo passes it forward. It comes back to Chilwell. And Chil- like I said earlier, he takes the responsibility and takes the shot. Chilwell's a great player. Chilwell can score goals. But why are we waiting for Ben Chilwell to come from left wing back or left back to take the shot? You are the three forward players, right? Kai Havertz, you're not a striker. I get it. But you scored 25 plus goals in your season with your previous team in Germany. You can't take shots. You can't finish. You can't control. That's a discussed issue. Raheem Sterling. He's played false nine for Manchester City. He's played left wing. He's played right wing. He's coming from deep. I mean, some of the stuff that's happening is so trivial. And I think... Yes, they have to take some ownership and take some blame. And this is where it comes back to the point that I'm trying to make is it's not only about tactics, right? I think I said this earlier, and I hate repeating myself, but it is a, it's it's the truth. As a kid, we used to pull on our shirt roll and just go gung-ho. I was a center back, but I'd score a goal. You would play for midfield or score a goal because we had that passion just to kick the ball and give it a shot. No one has the passion. No one has the care. How much tactics do you want? And people say, no, but the tactics help to... Yeah, the tactics help us be... Clean, clinical, win a game, 4 nails, shut shop, and go home. I'm not even seeing the wonder goals happen, which means no one's taking a shot. I'm not even seeing a deflection, which means no one's trying. And Reese James, one of the best right backs and right wing backs in the world, such a poor cross this weekend. That doesn't happen from tactics. There's nothing you can tell me about, oh, well, if he was at right wing back, his cross would have been better. What does that mean? What does that mean? You are the player that kicks a ball. Whether you play right back, center back, center forward you can't cross the ball at a player getting two hundred thousand a week i'm not trying to make fun of how much they make and the quality of football i'm garbage i'm never going to be able to play for chelsea football club but some level of like my first cross was garbage my second one was garbage. the third one slow down and think as a, as a finisher 
my touch, I'm dribbling, it's not working. How about have a pop? It doesn't make sense. Like, And it comes back to what Frank said, which I think we should talk about at the end of the segment, is they're lacking confidence, they're lacking belief. And okay, yes, your manager needs to give that to you, but you make 150, 200,000 a week. Have some belief in your own foot. Take a shot and make a difference, make a change. It doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. Like, I couldn't have answered that question any better with any more passion than you did because I heard Frank, right? And he came out and he kind of defended them and said Wolves just wanted it more. They're kind of sitting at the bottom. And fine, I, I understand that, right? But I'm like looking around and I'm like, we're sitting in 11th. Chelsea Football Club sitting in 11th spot. And you're telling me that these players are not hungry enough. They're not determined enough to say, we don't need to be in, the, we don't deserve to be in this position because we're much, much better than this. Look around and you're saying, Wolves played as a team, Jackie. Everyone yeah. fought for each other. Diego Costa is fighting for players that he's known only for about a few months now. And I look at our guys, right? And I'm like, Kepa has been here how many, how many seasons now? Six, four, five, maybe? I don't even know. Reese James came through the academy. Okay, fine. Wesley Fofana and Koulibaly came at the beginning of the season. But you came to Chelsea because you obviously felt that you could go on and do great things. It wasn't like, oh, well, you know, we'll put on the Chelsea shirt and we'll see what happens. And Koulibaly talks a big game, Jackie, outside of the pitch. He talks a massive game. This man was telling me in November that we could still win the title. Where's that mentality on the pitch? Kukurea talks about, oh, Jorginho is the, the smartest player in the, on, on the team and is giving all these interviews. Go focus on your game. Go watch the video. Go do something that's different. I'm just sick of it, Jackie, because you and I wake up. We look forward to every weekend, right? Forget the Champions League. We look forward to the yeah. Premier League. We're going to wake up. We're going to watch the game. You're, you're going to drive to the bar for an hour and, and hang out with the guys and watch the game. And these guys put on absolutely nothing this season. I mean, you look at this. We've won 10 games, Jack. We're sitting in April. We're used to winning 10 games by, like, October. With, with a team, Rahul, that's got $700 million in investments. And, yes, okay, I raise my hand and say some of them are youth. Some of them are new to the league and... It doesn't make sense. But I'm picking on the guys that I'm seeing here, right? Raheem Sterling is a four-time, five-time Premier League winner. Okay, you've been injured, but the games you've played in, how many goals does he have this season? Six for City scoring 20 a season? What's the drop? Okay, the level in Chelsea dropped. Fine. Give me 12. Give me 13. I'm not asking you for 20, but this is where we're standing. Jao Felix, I know he's not necessarily a goal scorer, but you dribble, you hit the post, you dribble, you hit the post. Like... At some point, be a little clinical, be a little bit more formal. Kovacic, he's played in World Cup finals and has had Champions Leagues to his name, not only with Chelsea, but with Real Madrid. You can't work on your finishing. And we're looking at the center backs and saying, come, come and do headers and help us. No one cares. Nobody takes responsibility. You're missing character in this team, right? And I'm looking at, and I hate to say this, but it's almost like bring me people like Aspilicueta back into the team. Okay, they can't run and they can't do anything, but look at him on the sidelines screaming and cheering and trying to get them to move. I'd rather have him play somewhere in this team than some of these guys that are just like, yeah, we'll scored. It is what it is. It'll be another loss. We'll be going to 14th, then 15th. We wouldn't get relegated and we'll try against Madrid. I mean, yes, you want to say Frank had crap tactics. Fine. 
and Thomas Tuchel towards the end of his time was not doing right and Graham Potter was clueless but come on we all played football as kids we didn't have a manager and we found a way to string a few passes and score a goal 11 world-class players cannot string a couple of passes together and get a goals okay it's not Wolves Southampton Leicester I mean the teams that are way below us and struggling have found a way to beat Chelsea Football Club this season it comes down to there's just absolutely no leadership on the pitch Jackie you you said it right because yes there's the Lampard's on the touchline and he's going to do whatever he can with the tactics by yelling at them but when we go a goal down who is turning around and getting the boys up and saying we have to score we have to be better we have to do things differently there's a manager there for a reason like you and I have jobs we have managers right we don't have them doing our job for us they tell us what we need to do how it needs to be done and then let us do our thing and we do it because we want to be the best at what we do we want to be the best at how we do it and ultimately we're getting paid for it and I hate bringing up the money aspect of it mm-hmm. because that's just how the game is that's just how athletes are they they commit their lives to it they commit their their bodies to it so they get paid for it but it's just it's just very frustrating and i and we can blame the manager i have a lot to say about our owners right now because they're making decisions that are leaving us seriously questioning what is going on not just now but even what i read about our future with the financial part of it it's just very concerning where this club is going and i know in the under roman we were having losses and he was taking them under his under his kind of company and covering it up. But we need to operate a little bit smarter. We need to operate a little bit better. And and what's the point of going out and buying 11 different players when we now are in a situation that by June 30th, we have to sell and others know that. And suddenly we're going to be like, well, we want 50. And they'll be like, no, we're giving you 30. Take it or leave it, right? And so we've really put ourselves in, in this awkward position, not just on in the Premier League table, but just in general as a club where there seems to be no thought, there seems to be no strategy, there seems to be no type of plan. It's just kind of like, oh, Arsenal won Mudrik, we won Mudrik. Oh, Man City won Kukurea, we won Kukurea. Oh, Aubameyang, Tuchel, you want him? By the way, we're going to fire you tomorrow. It's just, everything's <laughs> just kind of like on the fly and we'll just figure it out. And We spent $700 million, Jackie, and we're still missing a DM. We're still missing a striker and we're missing a goalie if in case we do decide to improve upon that. So that's another three positions this summer that we'll be looking to add. So it's just a total mess all over and and hopefully we'll get to that 40 point mark because ultimately that's what guarantees safety. But I'm looking behind us and I'm like, Crystal Palace are sneaking up and the only reason they're behind (laughs) us right now is because we beat them twice, which is the difference, six points. So the search for 40 continues. Do you think we get it anytime soon? I believe we have Brighton after Madrid. And then we have Arsenal coming up. We have City in a, in a month's time. It's just, it's just scary, man. In the last few games for Graham Potter, and now with Frank Lampard coming into the fold, I find it difficult to see improvement. And I think ultimately that's what we said when Graham Potter left was there wasn't enough improvement. And so... The time had come and we've gone to Frank. And again, for those of us listening in, you may not see, I actually have Frank as my background. I've repeated before, one of my favorite players of all time. I don't see improvement. In fact, like you said earlier, I saw some regression. So it's difficult to see where we get points from, which is scary to say out loud. 
because Chelsea Football Club, even in the season, we were 10th, right, Rahul? We were not as poor as we have been this season, from what I remember. So it's difficult to see. I think we will get it how we get it, when we get it. Maybe we'll scrape a couple of draws here and there and make it happen, or maybe we'll rise to the occasion versus some of the bigger teams. But consistency is key now, and so we didn't score the goal, but we didn't concede a silly goal. It was a wonder goal. We need to build from here to kind of figure out what we can do. Otherwise, it's just going to be more mounting pressure. And at this point, I think Frank doesn't... Not that he doesn't care. That's not the right word. But there's nothing for him to lose than try things. So I'm interested to see what happens against Madrid. I'm expecting Kante back in and maybe Chilwell. But even after that, how do you build from there to kind of secure the points we need to avoid getting into a nastier situation than we already are in? It, it definitely is a nasty situation. It's doom and gloom, like we've been saying. And I just... it it it's baffling to me that we're sitting in April, what is April 10th? And we've won 10 games. We've lost more than we've won. We've drawn almost as much as we've won. And for some reason we're talking about it. Well, I think maybe we can win the champions league because that's what we do. And, and we'll touch on that when we get to the Madrid part of it, but it's just, if the season could end now, I would take it because it's just, it's just painful, man. It's been, I didn't expect a year ago when we were talking about, you know, Roman leaving and a new owner coming in and all the things that were going to happen that a year on. Of course, you expect transition, you expect changes, maybe not top four, you're sitting fifth, sixth. But I just it didn't expect it to be 11th and it's going to be the worst season since the Premier League started for Chelsea Football Club. And, and that in itself should tell you everything and that in itself should tell the owners that the way they handle things, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch, firing Marina, Bruce Buck, Petr Cech, the grounds person, the grass is too is too long or not good enough. Uh, the scouts are, are leaving and players are leaving. It's just too many changes too fast. And you've kind of taken Chelsea Football Club and, and the culture and the people away from, from it. And you're kind of starting fresh now. You're basically creating a new club and expecting it to be what it was a year ago or two years ago. And I think that's what we need to remember as fans is it may not be what we expect for, for a few seasons because they've got to kind of get this culture back in. Mm -hmm. But again, it's Chelsea Football Club, and maybe I'll be completely wrong and we'll be winning things by by this time next year. Who knows? But I just feel like a lot of work needs to happen behind the scenes, and we've just got to hang on tight and, and take some painful, painful days ahead. Yeah, and listen, I think you need to allow them a little bit of wiggle room. And so I think this season, like we said about Graham Potter, was a free hit, right? He's got to manage what he's got and figure it out and we'll rebuild and or figure out in the summer. And I think similar, and, and that didn't happen, unfortunately, but similar to the owners, I think it was very evident that they were learning on the job. And so obviously mistakes were made, which I accept. And it's very evident that they wanted to put their own stamp on Chelsea Football Club and fine, I accept that as well. And so now you come to a situation where they've made too much change and we were a winning machine to some degree, not necessarily a consistent winning machine, if that makes sense, because we hadn't won the league since 16-17. So a trophy here, a trophy there, you fire a manager. But that's what Chelsea's model was, right? You change a manager, but everything else remained relatively consistent. And so that model could work. You not only changed the manager, who, by the way, was one of the world's best managers at the time you change 
the way the system worked in forms of the backroom staff, the medical staff, the pitch staff, your some of your players. And so I agree with you, a lot of change. I'm not going to bring the pitchforks out just yet and start calling for the owner's heads. But I think maybe now that we've got a few sporting directors in and some recruitment staff in and we're going to go into summer where you're going to unfortunately lose some players and some of them we may want to lose, some we may not, you can build from, from some consist- consistency there. But difficult times, we're only one point away from 40, Rahul. How we get that one point, I need to go and see what other games we have. But just tough games ahead, my friend. It's it's difficult to see, and I'm looking at the table. Crystal Palace, with a couple of wins, are going to be ahead of us. So we need to be careful. We need to be careful and kind of focus on what we can do here. We need to be careful is, is what we'll leave it at for Chelsea Football Club. But let's talk about some other results. And honestly, it gets me more excited to talk about these <laughs> results because we're actually talking about football teams that are performing and, and showing up, even though a Liverpool is not having the best season. They show up right in the second half against Arsenal. So let's talk about that. It ends 2-2. Could have ended 3-2 to either team, honestly. What did you make of that game? And, and what do you think this does to the title race? This is fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. And I hope you can hear the change in my voice because I'm excited to talk about winning times and and passion and energy. And you said it best, right? Liverpool are not having a great season, but they find a way. They find a way to energize themselves and say, you know what? We can't do this to our fans. We can't let our people down. We need to do something to prove that there is a shadow of the team here and we do have quality players. And so just coming back and just showing that they can do it. And ultimately, like you said, they could have won as well. It's it's an exciting game, man. And I look at the table now and I say, if Man City beat Arsenal in that picture that's coming up, I don't know if it's in two weeks or so, this is going to be an exciting photo finish. And that's what I love about the Premier League is that while I absolutely hate Arsenal, I also absolutely hate Manchester City, but I might have them continue winning waves then bring Arsenal back into the winning fold. So... I don't want to jinx it, but it's going to be an exciting photo finish if these things kind of play out the way I'm thinking. It, it definitely will be because you said Arsenal have to play Man City, but Man City themselves have a game in hand. So if those two go Man City's way, we're looking at tight points. And then from that yep. point on, it's like whoever makes the first mistake or falters or drops points is is most likely going to be the one that kind of falls behind. But you just never know. I mean, Liverpool were in that title race, I, I go back about 10 years ago at this point <laughs> and Gerard slips when they're yeah. basically right at the doorstep of, of the title. Right. Um, and he slips and everything changes from that point on. So you just don't know. And that's the beauty of it is we've had Liverpool, Man City, we've had Liverpool uh, kind of edge them once and Man City have always been ahead, but this time around for Man City, they're coming from behind. Mm-hmm. And that makes it interesting because they've always led the pack and said, you know what, Man City, uh, Liverpool will just continue to stay perfect and you do what you need to do to catch us. In this case, they need Arsenal to lose and then they need to continue to be perfect. And I think they can do it. I mean, you let's let's jump into their result. Um, they go ahead to Southampton and win 4-1, a second 4-1 win for them in, in consecutive weeks. And Holland scores 30 Premier League goals and it's April 10th. It's one more goal than Chelsea have scored. <laughs> um, but he's just flying. And, and for all of everyone that said Man City don't know how to play with him, he's kind of holding them back. They've been on a good run recently and almost seem like now they're coming on together and saying, 
we'll just we'll just win every game put in front of us. It doesn't matter who it is, and we'll take the title. Listen, what a load of rubbish people can say that they don't know how to play with Erling Haaland, right? And listen, I get the point, but it's almost that same excuse that Chelsea gave where you need time to gel with your teammates, but they were getting results while they were trying to gel with their teammate, right? And now it's coming together more and more and more. And Rahul, if he's 30 goals on what fans and pundits are considering a rubbish season or they can't gel with him, what will it be next season when he's completely integrated to this team and they kind of know how to find him and he knows how to find them? It's scary. He is a fantastic player. He has a knack for where goal is. But it's not just him, right? And and again, no disrespect to Southampton. It's almost sure they'll be going down. Maybe Chelsea will be joining them in the next few weeks. But <laughs> you can see that Man City kind of just get the business done. And I think we've said this season after season after season. They go in after Christmas and they just kick on to autopilot where it's like, I don't see them losing a game. So I'm looking up the games here. Rahul, 26th of April uh, Man City and Arsenal play, and that would be very exciting. But the 29th of April, Chelsea play Arsenal, which could be don't don't, don't even. Don't even. <laughs> Maybe we have a say in who wins the title. I don't a, know. That's what that's I'm saying. a guaranteed three points for Arsenal. <laughs> we'll see how that plays out. But back to City, fantastic! It's fabulous to watch them in Holland and. Even Jack Grealish, I think they did a number on us by selling us Raheem Sterling because now we're stuck with the older version and he's not doing as well as he should. And Jack Grealish is on the up and up, so we'll see how things play out. But 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 that points to the pride, right? We've been talking about is Jack Grealish has sat on the bench quite a bit since mm-hmm. his move to City, and suddenly a year on, almost eighteen months on since his move, he's now dominating defining games and changing games and and being the person that they thought they bought but throughout this time Jackie no one has said he's rubbish he shouldn't be playing for them he's not good enough and for us immediately something goes wrong and and you and I might may be guilty of that too right immediately something yeah. goes wrong we're like he's rubbish get him out of the club let's go find the next person and I think that's where the club, and I, it comes back to Chelsea, obviously, because we're a Chelsea podcast, but <laughs> the club need to kind of work with these players. You look at a Mudrik, and it hasn't gone for him. It hasn't gone for him. It's been a big money move. But give him confidence behind the scenes. Ease him back into the, the first 11. And things will come because the talent's there. And like he says, talent ain't enough. Uh, so he will make it work. But coming to City, man... I, I really hope they do it because I'd hate for Arsenal to win it. Uh, <laughs> and we do end up do playing both of them towards the end of the season. So we do love defining a title race. Like you said, again, we did it for Leicester against Tottenham. We've done it in the past for a couple other teams. But if we have to do it for someone, I'd rather we do it for City than Arsenal. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I think it's going to be an excellent finish. And Man City are, are definitely going to be distracted because they're in the FA Cup. They have the Champions League. But I think Pep won't let Arteta just kind of coast to the end. He's going to make it tough for them. And, and that's what we want to see. And hopefully someday we'll be in a title race. I don't know when, but we'll, <laughs> we'll someday get there. Uh, but let's move on to Aston Villa, Jackie. They're almost closing in on the Champions League spots. I say almost because they're not there. And I think they ultimately might not make it there. But a 2-0 win against Nottingham Forest. Ollie Watkins again on the score sheet. A clean sheet for Villa. Unai Emery is, is doing his thing and he's been given the time and he's showing them what he can do. I'm glad you brought up Aston Villa and I think it's important to talk about them because 
they were in a transitional season, I guess you could call it. They had signed a lot of players, and I believe their manager, Dean, at the time, was finding it tough to gel them or whatever the situation may be. Of course, you go bring in Steven Gerrard. They have that new manager bounce, and they did well for a little bit. But it was clear to see when the season started, it was maybe too big for him to kind of fill that role. But you go pick a senior manager who's been around and done things and won Europa Leagues with Sevilla. I believe he won them three times in a row, if I'm not mistaken. And he doesn't do a lot different, Raul. He just picks a slightly different team, slightly different formation. Maybe it's the, the words he says in the dressing room on the training ground. Because Ollie Watkins was in my fantasy team, and I was like, he's rubbish, he's garbage, get him out of there. Just the same things we were joking about with Chelsea. Now I can't drop him. He's scoring a goal, a couple of goals every single week. And what's changed, right? Nothing major. They're playing a slightly different formation. I get it. But it's that confidence he's instilled in that team that says, just go and play football and do what you're going to do. And they were 17th, Rahul, 17th when he took over. So if that is not evidence of what a good manager can come in and do, I don't know what else is. I really don't know what else is. I agree with you. And I think he, he wanted that redemption shot at the, in, the, in the Premier League after what happened at Arsenal. It almost makes me wonder if Arsenal had given him the time, could they have had a couple more trophies a, f- a few seasons ago? But we'll never know. But I think he's doing a great job. It'll be interesting, interesting to see how he continues that next season and the, and the season after that, because I think that's always where it becomes mm-hmm. challenging to to get your message and, and voice heard by the players. But let's move on, Jackie. We we spoke about managers doing a great job, and Roy Hodgson has come back. From I don't know where I thought he had completely retired, but he here he is back at Crystal Palace. Two wins on the bounce, five one against Leeds. Is this a new manager bounce that Chelsea thought they were getting when they brought in Potter, Bruno, and now Frank Lampard? I don't know, man. Why didn't we go for Roy Hodgson? If this is the results you're getting, I, I don't even I don't even know how to express emotion behind this, right? Because. Football is such a wild and crazy thing. I I think Roy Hodgson was the manager before and they were coming up on players who were all 30 plus and Roy was 71 or something. And they're like, Roy is blind. He can't see it. He can't hang hang anymore. He's going to retire and and Crystal Palace need a rebuild, right? And so Patrick Vieira comes in, who I think would have done well if he was given a little bit more time. But he sees through the rebuild. It, It starts pretty well and then starts to slowly go wrong. And just with modern day football, we get rid of it. But going back to Roy was like, let the man stay retired, let him relax. (laughs) But I don't know if you call this new manager bounce or just it's a man that has been there, done that, has so much experience under the belt that he knows what buttons to push and who to talk to and who to rely on and what formations to play against, what teams. Some of that stuff has to come down to his experience where he says, I've been running so we don't get relegated. Let me push the right buttons here just to get us moving in the right direction. And maybe he wouldn't be there next season. I don't know. But it's 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 a fantastic world, the footballing world, just to see what goes on every now and then. It, it definitely is. And it, it almost justifies the, the hiring and firing that we've been seeing uh, in the league. But some of the other results, and, and then I'll come to the Spurs game. Man United beat Everton 2-0. They're pushing for the top four. Newcastle beat Brentford 2-1, which was a a big result for them. And they continue to kind of push and stay in that top four. And I think ultimately they may end up making it, but we'll find out. West Ham beat Fulham 1-0, which helps them in their 
fight for relegation. Bournemouth beat Leicester, Jackie, 1-0. And Leicester are now in pretty deep trouble, but they have just announced earlier today Dean Smith with John Terry and Craig Shakespeare coming back in until the end of the season. So hopefully that'll give them a new manager bounce. Uh, just not against City next weekend because we, we do want City to continue winning. Uh, but Jackie, let's talk about Tottenham Hotspurs versus Brighton. 2-1, Tottenham win. But this game, right from the get... So I'm watching our Chelsea game, right? The Wolves game. And NBC kind of at halftime is switching over. And we see De Zerbi and Stellini... At kickoff, shaking hands and Deserby is pointing his finger at him and aggressively talking. I'm like, what is going on? Like, something's gone down. And I, I had no idea what had happened, right? And then the, this, the game continues in the second half, and I see Tottenham and Brighton both pick up a red card each. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is really heated. And then Tottenham go 2-1 up, and then I see it's 2-2, but it's pulled back, and I'm like, why am I wasting my time here yeah. watching Chelsea <laughs> when I could be seeing a lot of drama there? But ultimately, I come to find out that the Zerbi sent off, Stellini sent off, VAR didn't do their job multiple times for for Brighton. Brighton ultimately lose two one, um, and then the backstory there for people that may not know is Stellini in the build up to the game said. A lot of the work that Potter had done at Brighton is the reason why they're in the position they're in now. Basically discrediting Deserby and, and what he's done this season. And I think that had him fired up even yeah. before he got to Tottenham on, on Saturday. But that just kind of transformed onto the pitch. I honestly think Brighton deserved to win that game. Yeah. They were the better team. They did everything right. They just didn't get the right decisions. And, and that's another question in itself. But what did you make of this game and, and how do we get some of this fire and, and passion on in Chelsea? Listen, now you know why Chelsea are linked with Deserbi and are trying to get him <laughs> manager, right? They want somebody that's passionate. And I think I like to see that on the touchline, right? It takes me back to when Conte and Tuchel kind of clashed over that little bit of handshake saying, you look a man in the eyes when you shake his hand. And I'm just like, that was such a, a small thing to get fired up over. But the passion of the event of Tottenham versus Chelsea got to them. And I think with De Zerbi, he has a right to be upset. I'm not sure if he needs to be sent off. Maybe a quick word saying, you don't need to discredit me because I've done some stuff here. Or just beat him on the pitch and show him who the better manager is, right? But coming back to Tottenham's manager, and I can't pronounce his name, you know how I said Bruno is kind of like in Graham Potter's image. You've got to believe Tottenham managers and Conte's image. <laughs> that has Conte written all over it with his little sly comments before and trying to dig into somebody else. But listen, I don't mind the fieriness before, between managers. I think it riles the players up as well to defend their managers and play their best. But just a quick word on, on VAR. They need to do something about it. And I, I've been crying about this for four years. And so the listeners go, Jackie, shut up. It's not going away. But if we don't talk about it, we're just going to be stuck with the best league in the world with some of the worst refereeing. We didn't even talk about the elbow to somebody's face in one of the Liverpool game, I believe it was. So it's just crazy to me that we're going to allow this. And yes, you know, Brighton have done really, really well. But Rahul, when you get towards the end of the season, this one point can make the difference between going to Europe and not going to Europe. And so I don't know what more to say. VAR needs to kind of get redesigned or relooked at. But what a fiery match. And I'm glad to see the passion there. It was... 
a dramatic match, but I think VAR wanted to steal the show and steal yeah. the headline. And I think that's wrong. And it has been wrong, Jackie, from, from the start of the season. It's not just this game. I mean, I think back to the Kukurea hair pull, which was maybe the second game of the season yeah. for Chelsea or the third one. And that was not given and, and Tottenham equalized from that. I think back to West Ham back in February. And obviously I'm referring to our Chelsea's sure. uh, decisions that have gone against us because that's ultimately what I pay attention to. But I look at this game and I'm like, Tottenham, uh, I beg your pardon, Brighton should have had two penalties at least. And for VR to look at both and say, no, there, there has to be an investigation. There has to be consequences to, to whoever that person is. You spoke about the elbow. That's a whole different conversation. Is Robertson in, in the fall? Should the referee obviously not be doing that? But was he instigated? Did he think Robertson was going to be putting hands on him? We don't know. But the most shocking thing, apart from Chelsea this season, has been refereeing standards and VAR. And something has to change, Jackie. I, I, we can't continue going on like this where we're like, oh, well, we, they issued an apology to Brighton and Brighton just have to suck it up and, and take the loss and deal with it next next week. It has serious consequences. Brighton could be talking about Champions League or Europa League. Yeah. For a club like Brighton to end up in the Champions League or not end up in the Champions League because of a refereeing decision, that's just, that's just appalling and, and that can be accepted. And whatever the Premier League do this summer, they have to get it right. They have to have the right people. They have to have the right training. And it doesn't matter if the on-field referee misses it and VAR says, it's a penalty, go go get it right, go fix it. It's just helping the overall game. It's not saying the on-field referee isn't good enough. There's so much happening in a game that yeah. you can miss things. So I think it's just something needs to change this, this summer. But at the expense of going too far into the VAR and refereeing uh, decisions. Let's let's transition. But before we do, let's take a message from our partner at Fubo TV. The Premier Chels has partnered with Fubo TV. Fubo TV is your home for live sports and TV without a cable in the US and Canada. You can watch on all your devices, which means you don't have to miss any of the actions or goals that Chelsea score in the Premier League and Champions League. You heard that right. Fubo TV Network's broadcast Premier League, Champions League, and many other leagues and tournaments. So what are you waiting for? Start your free trial today at fubotv.com forward slash TPC. All right, guys, welcome back. And let's head into the Real Madrid preview in the champions league jackie i see you shaking your head so this might be a quick quick segment but let me read you some stats before we do that so chelsea have lost only one of their seven games against real madrid in european competition they have the lowest percentage of losses against real madrid of any side to have played them five times or more in europe and you'll remember we faced them in the last two seasons so the results from that is we played madrid and spain in 2021 and we won and we drew 1-1 we brought them back to the bridge we beat them 2-0 made the final last season we played them in the quarterfinals and we lost 3-1 at home you'll remember that game with with Benzema scoring uh and then we went away to Madrid and were 3-0 up and we were all believing we we had a feeling what was going to happen but it did happen 
Madrid Madrid stormed back and made it three two and ultimately made it on to the semifinals and winning it in the final. So this game comes around as the third edition of it. Tuchel obviously isn't around. Ancelotti is there uh, to kind of continue. Lampard is here on the other side to face Ancelotti, uh, his former boss. How do we go about this game? Are we going with a back three? Are we going with a back four? What players are going to be playing? Is Mendy coming back in? A lot of questions. So I'm going to let you kind of share your thoughts on on this game, and and then maybe we can do some predictions. I have a lot of thoughts. I don't know how many of them are positive, (laughs) but I'll start with some things that you pointed out that are so interesting, right? A lot of the stats about how we've had successful times against Real Madrid, and I think you've given me stats where we've had successful times against teams like Southampton, and we butcher the stats this season and lose, and so... The stats mean nothing to me this time around, my friend. I don't have a lot of faith. But a couple of other interesting things to note, right? Like you said, Lampard played for Ancelotti. That's an incredible relationship. And he had the highest highest goal-scoring form of any time he played for Chelsea under Ancelotti, which is incredible. They both managed Chelsea, which is another interesting fact. They both managed Everton, which is another interesting fact. So lots of similarities here. And I think they are both level-headed good man managers. I don't know on the tactical standpoint. I think Ancelotti is probably going to pip Frank just a little bit there. A little bit more than just a little bit there. But I think Frank's going to go with what he trusts. Rahul, I think he's going to play a back four. And I know Chelsea fans are probably rolling over in their graves saying we're going to get you know absolutely torn apart. But he's going to have to go with what he feels comfortable. If he plays a back three, I'll be surprised. Maybe he wants to lock up shop. But it appears it will be a back four for this game, at least from what I can tell. I, I hear you, but do you think that Wolves may have been an experiment with the back four to see what happens? Because I do remember in his first stint as, as manager, Lampard did play mm-hmm. a back three, especially against Spurs. I very clearly remember against Mourinho, we went away to Spurs and we played a back three and we won 2-0 and we dominated that game. Do you think maybe that Wolves game was an experiment or just some smoke to kind of confuse Real Madrid yeah I I hope so that he does what he needs to do to get the right formation but back three back four we ain't scoring goals and we ain't keeping clean sheets so I really don't know what to say at this point in time maybe we're a little bit better attacking with the back three so that's the only opportunities to pip a goal in Madrid and bring it back to Stamford Bridge and and you say we ain't keeping clean sheets Real Madrid have scored in each of their last 30 home knockout games in the Champions League since a 2-0 loss to Barcelona in a semifinal in 2011. So yeah. <laughs> if if anyone knows, we know that even when you are 3-0 up against them, they find a way to score and they find a way to, to claw their way back in at least. Um, but let's say we go with the four. So is Kepa in goal or is, is Mendy? Yeah, I, I know your feelings about Kepa, but I think given the amount of football that Kepa has played this season, it only makes sense for him to naturally continue. I know Mendy's a little bit bigger, a little bit taller, but I think it's kind of a fiery game to bring him back in for. I'm not saying he can't do it, but why add that additional complexity and change to the team at that point in time? And, and that's where I think Mendy did have a few dodgy moments against Benzema last season, so uh, maybe not the right game for him to come back after a long layoff. Reese James as a back, as a right back? If Reese James doesn't start in this game, I don't know what we're doing with managers. But yeah, absolutely, Reese James. And I'll get ahead of you. I think Ben Chilwell needs to play as well. 
I, I agree. I think Ben Chilwell does need to play. Who, by the way, is, is rumored to be getting a four-year contract. So, uh, fingers I, crossed. I'm, I'm in favor of that. But who is your center back pairing then? Kolobali, Fofana, Chaloba, Kukurea, Tiago Silva may be back, and if he is, I, I would play him. There's no point kind of resting him or easing him back in. This is arguably the biggest game of the season. Yeah, Silva's back in. I'll find a way, but I don't think he's ready. I could be wrong, but I think he'll stick with the same back four of, well, the back two in the back four of Kulabali and Fofana. I don't think he's going to rock the boat at this point. And I know Fofana did go off with a knock. Hopefully it's nothing because it would be horrible to lose him to another injury. So let's stick with those two for now. Midfield, I think Angola Conte walks back in. Are you playing a three? Are you playing a two? Listen, I favor the two. I think we can have a little bit more cover. I don't know what Frank's going to do just yet, but I think if we're thinking as Frank, let's just stick with what we know so far, and that's a three. So it would be Kante, it would be Enzo, obviously, and I think he would put in Kovacic at that point in time. You're not going to go back to Gallagher for a big game like this. I, I would agree. And then we move to the front three, Jackie, and we, we do have to point out that we will be our front three will be coming against coming up against Rudiger, who... Uh, we'll know Kai Havertz pretty well. We'll know Mason Mount if he plays Pulisic, Ziyech. I can roll the the names that Rudiger knows from our team. But Jao Felix, I mean, these are some of the games that we brought him in for. So do you think he gets to play? Or Yeah, I don't see a change in the front three, to be very honest with you. And I love that you said Kai Havertz's name automatically because no matter what happens, <laughs> Kai Havertz is starting in this in this 11. No, no managers found a way to drop him. I don't know why, but... Kai have it starts. So Jao, Kai, and Sterling. Probably Raheem Sterling, yeah. All right. Mason is back in training, and hopefully he does travel and is on the bench at least because we'd like to to see him back. So, Jackie, this is where it comes to putting putting your money where your mouth is, I guess, because we've picked this a good 11. I think on any other season, we would say this is the 11 that can go go to Madrid and get something out. But what do you think? What's your score prediction? Listen to me. I'm going to the church. I'm going <laughs> to the mosque. I'm going to the temple. I'm going to under the tree. I'm going to whatever you believe in. And all I'm telling you is my scoreline is pray for Chelsea. I don't know what else to give you, my friend, because my heart wants something. And that's my prayers that I'm going to give to Chelsea. But my mind will tell you this is not going to be a game we win, but... Let me go with pray for Chelsea because that's that's all I can see right now at this point in time. Pray for Chelsea. I I would like to pray for Chelsea too, but uh, I think, and I hate to do this, right? Because I I'd like to see us at least walk away with a draw. But the way we've been playing, Modric was rested, and uh, Cruz was rested, and. Eden Hazard has come back in, in certain games, at least one of them that I saw and, and assisted. And Benzema just scored a hat trick against Barcelona. And Vinicius <laughs> Jr. has been has been lighting it up. It just seems like it's not going to be the fixture or the tie that we've gotten in the last two seasons. And that's simply down to Chelsea not being being the team that they were the last two seasons. So I think Madrid win this 3-1 which keeps us in the tie, keeps us alive, and uh, brings us back to the bridge. Maybe we can do something there, but I think we do end up losing this game. And maybe we'll, maybe your prayers will be answered and my, my prediction will be wrong. Uh, but either way, I think 
we just have to stay in this game. We can't come back with the four or three nil down because that just it's an uphill task. I mean, Frank managed this team in the Champions League in the knockout stage, and I think we were out of it in the first leg against Bayern. So he needs to be smarter. He needs to make decisions that just basically we need a result here. We don't need to go out and win. We don't need to lose, as Mourinho would say. Listen, if I'm Frank, I'm playing a 5-5 formation and just <laughs> holding everybody Park off. the I'm, bus. <laughs> I am going to. And, and honestly, I think that's the speech he gives, right? We don't have to win, but we cannot lose because we have a chance to build some momentum and, and go back to the next leg. But the only thing I can see where this works, Rahul, is, and, and, I, and unfortunately, I don't think I see it in our players, is we have to be mean. We have to be nasty. We have to be aggressive. We have to just say, we don't need to score a goal, but get in these guys' faces and make it uncomfortable for them. If we give them room to play, which unfortunately with our formations we do, it goes from me praying for Chelsea to I'm saying their last rights because Madrid will bury us and finish us in that game. They they absolutely will. I mean, I, I would, I would want to push the revenge agenda and say we need to get back at them for last season. I will take a win any way possible. I don't care if it's... You said 5-5, five, five. we play 10 at the back and just part every bus and, and pull a page out of Mourinho's book. I don't care. But I just think Madrid are too good in the sense that they have Benzema. They ha- they just have the pieces that can hurt you out of nothing. We we know that firsthand. So uh, we'll be watching on Wednesday, but it's going to be it's going to be some nervy moments for us. And, and hopefully we come out on the other side and can bring them back to the bridge. But time will tell. It's Chelsea and, and you just don't know. And if you can't get up for this game, honestly, you don't deserve to be in the Champions League. And we're not going to be here next season anyway. So we might as well give it our all yeah, and see what happens. But that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels on all podcast providers, Instagram, and on Twitter. It's at Premier Chels. And if you're watching us on YouTube, thanks for joining us. Please leave us a comment, subscribe, like, so that we can reach other followers. And we will be back with a new episode reviewing Madrid. We don't know what was waiting for us on the other side, but we will be back. But until then, stay safe and up the Chelsea. Hey guys, the Premier Chelsea is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home, so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.